Welcome back, Sports Radio 93.7, the Fan Panthers Insider. We go out to the hotline for another Panthers Insider and the brains behind PantherLair.com. One of the best to do it. Covers pit football, pit basketball, from soup to nuts. Chris P. Chris, how you doing this morning? Good, Pat. What's going on? You shovel your driveway yet here in lovely Mount Lebanon? Not yet. Not yet. Gonna. I, I, well, I left the car in the driveway, so there's a whole a whole patch that doesn't need to be shoveled because it was under the car. So you got to think that, ahead on that. You know, I do the same thing. We got two cars. We got a double wide driveway now that we moved away from you. So I'm uh, <laughs> now I'm uh, I got I got double less to to shovel. But uh, I want to. You know, obviously you. You come on the program a lot with uh, you know the pregame show, and we detail a lot of things analytics related. But looking back at 2022, I, I would just ask you to, to to how do you evaluate the 2022 season? Obviously, we know how the Panthers closed it, but I, there's been a lot of people that said it was a missed opportunity. Uh, disappointing has been a word that's used. How do you categorize 2022? Yeah, I mean, I, I would use those words. I would say a missed opportunity. I would say kind of disappointing. I mean, I think when you think, you know, look at expectations of where they were before the season, which I think were realistic expectations, uh, particularly when you see how they lost. You know what I mean? They end up with two losses in November in Georgia Tech and, and Louisville that, that, that just shouldn't have happened. I mean, they, they should have won those games. And it is disappointing because that's the difference between, you know, eight and four and, and the Sun Bowl and, you know, going, you know, potentially 10 and two. Uh, getting another trip to Charlotte and, you know, maybe ending up on a New Year's Six Bowl two years in a row. We talk about, you know, oh, they've they finished ranked in the top 25 two years in a row, two years in a row for the first time in 40 years, and that's great. But they could have had two New Year's Six Bowls, um, you know, you know, two years in a row. And that's it's disappointing because uh, of the opportunity that was there. And it's not like they needed to do anything crazy, you know, or play way above their heads. They just had to beat Georgia Tech, which was, you know, probably one of the worst losses we've seen um, from Pitt under Pat Narduzzi. And, and I would say the, the Louisville game was absolutely one that got away as well. Their defense played well enough to win both of those games and, and quite frankly, I mean, the offense blew it. So it's, it's disappointing, but then you, you can kind of go the other way too, like you said about how they finished. I mean, they win five in a row. I, I don't think anyone expected them to go from four and four to nine and four. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a turnaround, a, a really good finish. And they played some quality teams in there too. I mean, the, the game had Miami – it's not. It's not. It's not our, our grandpa's hurricanes, but it was still a good win on the road. And then you know, the Sun Bowl, Duke's a quality team. I mean, they had some good wins in there. So disappointing, but uh, an encouraging finish, I guess is how I would say. Yeah, and you you really you detail the the Georgia Tech and, and Louisville games. Obviously, those games featured multiple red zone turnovers. Um, obviously, I think if 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 you would have come out of the first half of Tennessee not knowing that Keaton Slovis wasn't going to return. I don't think you could have fast-forwarded to the month of December thinking you had to retool the quarterback position uh, moving into 2023. You, you may have had to recruit and get a couple couple supplementary backup guys, but obviously what came to pass was inconsistent quarterback play for the remainder of the season. And you look at this quarterback room now versus before the season and the job. I know you, you know Frank Signetti, as do I, with Phil Dracovic and Christian Valu, and obviously Nate Yarnell still still a factor. Ty Diefenbach, I mean, what do you make of the job they've done, you know, kind of replenishing that room? What do you make of that competition going into 2023? Because I think it's more of a fight than people realize. Yeah, I mean, they, they totally rebuild it. Uh, I'll give them credit for that. You know, they needed they needed three things, right? I mean, they needed a veteran transfer to come in and, you know, presumably be the starter right away. They needed a high school kid who could come in and be the future after a few years of development. And then they needed sort of a uh, kind of a mid-range transfer, a young transfer who could come in and, you know, you know, 
presumably be the starter starting in 2024. And, and they really hit all three of those spots. Um, you know, Ty Diefenbach seems like a pretty intriguing prospect out of California as a high school kid. Probably a step down from Kenny Minchie, the, the guy that they had committed who ended up going to Notre Dame. But, I mean, you know, you'll have this sometimes. Uh, so they, they found a guy that Frank Cianetti seems, seems pretty intrigued with, seems to like his potential and his ceiling. Uh, you know, Dracovic, uh, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day, Pat. When, when Pitt has brought in um, transfer quarterbacks to be the starter, <clears throat> I feel like the last couple times they've done it, they did it when they didn't really have an offensive coordinator in place, right? They brought in Max Brown in between – uh, Matt Canada and Sean Watson. They brought in, um, you know, Keaton Slovis in between Mark Whipple and and Frank Signetti. Now they're bringing in Phil Dracovic with Signetti already in place, and, and it's it's a transfer quarterback that was sort of handpicked by the existing offensive coordinator. And I, and I I don't think that's unimportant because when you talk about fit for the offense and fit for the team and all that stuff, I mean he, he's got the seal of approval from Frank Signetti, who worked with him for a couple of years at Boston College. So you would think that you're giving yourself a better chance of success than they've had the last couple of times they've brought in transfer quarterbacks to kind of take over the offense. Um, and then, you know, Christian Vieira coming out of Penn State, you know, pretty high pedigree guy coming out of high school. Um, obviously, it's all the writing on the wall in state college that he wasn't going to get that opportunity. So we went looking for a new spot. And Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think he's coming in saying, I'm going to be the backup in 2023. I think he intends to fight for it. Uh, and try and battle Phil Dracovic for that starting job uh, this spring. But, you know, just the overall job of uh, just rebuilding the room. I mean, it's a completely different room than it was a year ago. It's got a completely different look, and I'm intrigued to see how it works out for him. Talking to Chris Peak from Panther Lair, and one of the things Chris does best is follow recruiting, and certainly not only locally, but but the Rivals Network nationally. I want to ask you a question, um, and it's something that's been referenced as – you know, a portend of the future with the transfer portal. You know, Pitt obviously picks up Phil Dracovic. This is his third school, but he's he's back home. Uh, Donovan McMillan returns home. Uh, obviously, there are others out there that have, have not chosen a home yet, but we look even a couple years back to MJ Devonshire. Do you see you know, the, the WPIAL circuitous route to coming back to Pitt being a common thread moving forward, and if so, why? It's been interesting to see. I mean, you know, you mentioned Devonshire already did it. Johnny Patrician did it too, went to Penn State for a couple of years and came back. And then they have a few guys coming in this year. I, I think there's there's two ways it could go. Um, you know, I, in terms of, I, I think, the impact it can have on your local recruiting. Because we know, I mean, Pitt has lost a lot of guys out of, you know, the local recruiting scene over the past few years. They, they get guys here and there, but, you know, they lost guys like, Dracovic and McMillan and you know you can go back through the classes and see the guys who sort of got away and I think when you have these local guys who go away and then transfer back home and have success I think there's a couple impacts it can have on one hand I think some of the local young guys up and coming high school recruits can look at it and say huh maybe maybe MJ Devonshire should have just gone to Pitt in the first place instead of you know messing around in Kentucky for a couple years maybe Johnny Patrician should have gone to Pitt in the first place or Dracovic or McMillan or whoever and maybe that influences them to go to Pitt in the first place. Then the flip side is maybe they look at it and say, well, I could still go out, see the world, go play in the SEC or the Big Ten or wherever, and if it doesn't work out, I can always come home to Pitt like MJ did or Johnny did or Phil did. So I think it could be, you know, I'm going to be interested to see how it kind of influences things, if it, if it has an impact on some of the young recruits who are coming up. Uh, but it does provide that opportunity. And, and, and the biggest thing, Honestly, I think is that it just gives Pitt more 
in you know reason not to burn bridges. Like if a local kid doesn't commit to you, okay, you don't need to trash him. You don't need to be mean about him. You don't have to have a, a subtweet or anything like that. Just <laughs> you know, wish him well, let him go, and then if, if he wants to come home in a couple of years, you have an opportunity to get a good player. And I think that's. Uh, you know, that, that, I, don't, I don't know if Pat Narduzzi is going to take that lesson out of it, but it's probably like, you know, it's the same thing with decommitments or transfers or kids who get away, any of these things. Like, don't burn bridges because there are enough ways for guys to come back around, things to come full circle. That you got to, you know, keep keep those doors open all the time. You know, looking at traditional recruiting, you know, obviously this was a uh, – this was a um, a year in which there were some decommitments – I think the high school class kind of it finished up, you know, probably a little le- with a little less spunk than maybe they wanted. But there are some really good players that are that are in this class that I think have a chance to make an impact. And I wanted to ask you kind of your opinion when you look at guys like Jordan Bass, you know, some of the young receivers coming in. Who are some guys in this recruiting class, this 2023 class, that you think have a chance to make an Im- instant impact? I mean, as far as instant impact, I mean, I think, you know, the receivers will definitely be, you know, a position that you look at. They just don't have a lot of numbers there right now. I think they're almost going to have to count on a freshman or two. Um, I, I think, what, last Saturday, uh, the pit coaches were at the game and they had some of these early enrolling guys. And Lamar Seymour, the kid from Miami, was there. And he's bigger than I expected. Uh, I forget, we list him at like six foot. He's He's got to be six one or six two. He's He's a good size receiver. I think kind of an underrated receiver in the state of Florida is sort of a testament to the talent in Florida that this kid is only a three-star. Um, he's a really good player, and I think he's going to have a chance there. Um, Jordan Bass is certainly somebody to keep an eye on. We'll see how the depth at linebacker comes together, but he was just, I mean, just a flat-out stud at uh, you know at his high school in Virginia. Led him to a state championship. Uh, I don't think he lost the game in like two years or something like that. He's he's a great player. Um, Isaiah Neal is a really interesting guy. He's a defensive tackle, an undersized defensive tackle out of Baltimore. I don't know if he'll find a role this season, but he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on um, for the future. And then, you know, I, I think we, we've all come to just sort of accept that this staff is going to do a good job in defensive back recruiting, and they did it again. I mean, Shadarian Harrison out of Florida is really good. Jesse Anderson out of Florida is really good. Uh, you know, I think those two guys – and again, you have good depth in the secondary. You might not need them as freshmen, but they might be good enough to get their, you know, get themselves onto the field. Special teams, maybe some, you know, defensive sub packages or something like that. I think they could find some snaps because they're really good DBs. And you know, we, we always say it about the state of Florida that there's just a ton of talent down there. And, and it's true that the guys like Shadarian Harrison, Jesse Anderson, Lamar Seymour. I mean, it, it, these guys. Not not to to you know steal the fans line, but if you you know you put these guys in Pennsylvania, they're probably dominating four star prospects. But it's just because they're in Florida, where there's all these athletes, they maybe don't stand out as much. But I think they're going to be really good when they get to Pitt. No doubt. Last one for you. Talking to Chris Peak from Panther Lair. Uh, I mean, everyone has made the mistake of saying who's going to step up for the pit D line. They're losing all these guys. They're losing Kalijah Kansi. They're losing Habakkuk Baldonado. They're losing John Morgan. They're losing Deslin Alexander. We've all made that mistake. I refuse to make it again. With that being said, I think, you know, this coming year is one where uh, some growth is going to be needed for this D line to continue to produce at the level that it's produced the last three seasons. You think I'm correct in that assessment? 
Yeah, I, I definitely think this is a uh, um, a transition year for the D-line where you're going to have to have a new crop of guys step up. Nikai Johnson, Dayon Hayes has been out there a lot, but he's going to be in a primary role. Um, Nikai Johnson is going to play a lot. Bam Brima, we've seen some of, but we're going to see a lot more of. And even like a young guy like Sam Okunlola, who I think the staff is really excited about. He'll be a redshirt freshman this year, uh, you know, this coming season. But I think he's going to be he, – he's got a pretty high ceiling um, just at the, the DN spots. And then it seems like those three older D tackles will come back, but you're going to need young guys to step up there too, whether it's Elliot Donald or Sean Fitzsimmons. They, they've still been recruiting those positions really, really well. It's just they've had guys stick around for a long time, and so they haven't necessarily had to move that youth up just yet well now that time is coming and i think this is going to be that year where you see a real kind of changing of the guard particularly a defensive end and like you said i mean we are all well past the point of betting against charlie partridge or even questioning him i think because he's gonna you know he's he's very very good at what he does and i I think we'll see it again this year well chris we appreciate you making time i know next saturday will be a, a fun day for you you're gonna have your eyes peeled on not only the uh the basketball game but the junior day i think is going on as well uh, in the in the recruit section of the Peterson Event Center, so we we appreciate all the work you do. Your coverage of Pitt is unmatched, and thanks for making time this morning. All right, thanks, Pat. Here goes Chris Peak, Panther Lair. Does a great job, great insight. Really knows his ball too. I mean, stats wise, analytics wise, he he comes up with some stuff. He'll text me during the week, and I t- I, I I I do it with attribution on the broadcast because his he is he does great work. Get your Pitt football season tickets too, by the way. They're shaping up to be some pretty good games coming up at Akershire Stadium next season. Obviously, Cincinnati will come to town September 9th. Uh, that'll be a big game. Obviously, uh, a, a top 25 team perennially the last several years. Obviously, new new head coach uh, coming over from Louisville with Scott Satterfield, uh, but an old Big East game. That Florida State game, I think I saw Florida State's already started their Heisman campaign for Jordan Travis, so uh, that may very well be in full swing. Uh, a top five preseason team with Mike Norvell and and a, a returning slew of players for Florida State. That game would have heavy heavy consequence. North Carolina, Drake May coming to Heinz or Akershire Stadium. Not too early to get your season tickets and get ready for 2023. It's Pitt basketball today, though. Three o'clock tip became his pavilion. Atlanta, Georgia. Pitt takes on Georgia Tech. Billy Hillgrove, Curtis Aiken will have the call on 93.7, the fan, the home of the Pitt Panthers. Appreciate you guys tuning in today. PGT Trucking, Mac Discount, Voss TV and Appliance. Coit, all your support. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Hail to Pitt.